0: Hello and welcome to the Discover Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Wilkinson. Today I want to do a deep dive into one of my favorite topics, and that topic is habits. I'm going to talk about how to establish new habits, how to decide which habits to build, and which habits to drop. And I'm also going to do a, a deep dive into some daily habits that I enjoy. Comfort Theory Podcast is all about leveraging voluntary discomfort to become a better you in every area of your life. So I want to preface all of this by saying that a lot of these books, or a lot of this is from the book um, called Atomic Habits. Um, I listened to an interview uh, with Dr. Peter, Peter Atia and with the author of Atomic Habits. James Clear is the author of Atomic Habits. Um, so what I want to start out with is habits. I've been, is something I've been interested in a long time. Um, they he has a good quote in his book is that, um, you don't rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems or your habits. So basically on a daily basis, you have a bunch of choices to make. Um, and the more that you leave it to willpower, the higher the chances are that you're going to break, you're going to mess something up. So, um, let's start with some habits that, that I've uh, made and then also some of the ideas that he has uh, behind a lot of the ideas in his book. Um, basically, the main point of the book or one of the main points of the book is that habits are an external reference of your identity. So basically, the best way uh, to have a habit is to have it align with who you see yourself as as a person so let's say that you're someone who is overweight um, or is obese or doesn't exercise Um, it's going to be very very difficult to lose weight and get in shape uh, if you continue to think of yourself as an unhealthy person Um, so here's a really good example there's one girl who I think was like 150, 200 pounds overweight. So what she would do is before she would eat anything, she would ask herself, would a healthy person, um, eat this meal? Um, another good, really good example that I saw that, that he referenced, uh, in his interview and also in his book, Atomic Habits. He said, uh, when people are trying to quit, uh, that one of the main shifts that they have to make is that they're no longer. So, so if someone asks you, Hey, would you like a cigarette? Um, how most people respond that are uh, smokers that are attempting to break the habit. They say, uh, no, thanks. I'm trying to quit. So basically they still see themselves as a smoker and they're quote unquote, trying to quit where the answer that would um, really solidify in their minds that they no longer smoke would be uh, no, thank you. I don't smoke. And it's a very slight uh, difference in language but the identity reference that it gives you, um, changes completely. Um, so another really awesome point that he has, and it's really easy to apply a lot of these to, uh, diet and weight loss, things like that. Um, but it's environment. And this has been a huge one for me too. Um, one of my weaknesses is that late at night, I kind of, after dinner, um, after the, my one-year-old baby's in bed, I like to kind of creep around the kitchen and look for either chocolate or ice cream or something sweet that I can have, um, while I watch an episode, uh, of one of my favorite shows. Um, so, so one of the things is environment. So a really cool example he has is that even the least healthy person, if they were trapped in say some kind of, uh, health prison where the only food available was healthy food, um, they would be the healthiest person in the world because you literally have no option. Um, so if you are able to create an environment where you have no option except to be healthy, um, you don't really have to constantly choose the right choice again and again. So for example, with um, eating, let's say I have an issue where I like to snack on sometimes salty, but mostly sweet Um, calorie rich foods like ice cream, uh, chocolate, peanut butter cups. I like quite a bit. Halloween was really bad for that. Uh, For me, it's just one of my weaknesses. Um, So, so what you can do is you can kind of purge your house. If you're really struggling with that, it's become a big problem or you're just on a huge weight loss or a cutting um, time in your cycle. Um, what you can do is you can just have that willpower for say one couple hours and that'll get you through a week or two, basically purge all the bad food out of your house, just throw it in the garbage, um, get it out of there. And then when you go shopping, just spend an hour getting just healthy food. And that way the environment that you're in doesn't even allow you, um, to break the habit or have a bad goal. So I had this happen recently. I was kinda had a dinner and I didn't have that much to eat for dinner and I was still kinda hungry. So I hunted around the house and we literally had nothing. We didn't have any chocolate, nothing that I was interested in at all. So I just went back on the couch, um, had a glass of water and just honestly chilled out. Uh, Didn't need any foods that would uh, derail any of my progress. And it was actually kind of funny because, um, I won't even ask my wife to get me any treats. She said, Hey, you want me to pick you up anything from the store or you want ice cream? You want, you know, chocolate, whatever. Um, I always just say no, cause it's easier to say no when she's asking me over text than it will be if I'm staring directly at those Oreo cookies, um, or whatever it is. Um, another thing I found really helpful too is to kind of have a backup game plan. So say I know that late at night I love to snack on all these sweet treats. Um, what I'll do instead is I'll kind of plan ahead in the future and I'll say, hey, hey, uh, hey, baby, when you're at, um, at the grocery store, can you pick me up some strawberries, maybe a grapefruit, uh, watermelon, um, some kind of fruit that takes up a lot of space in my stomach I'm um, sure it has some sugar, but the amount of food you have to eat compared to so the relative caloric density of that food is very, very low um, compared to the caloric density of say a Reese's or something. So you actually get to eat for a higher amount of time, take in more water, um, more fiber, and also even though those you know foods have some sugar in them, they're also very high in nutrients. So it is really giving your body at least what it needs uh to a pretty high degree so it sort of fulfills all of those uh cues so kind of changing your habit to be hey I'm going to have some ice cream tonight you know and you have like a little bit of ice cream um I mean like 2 300 calories of ice cream is basically nothing 2 300 calories of fruit is like quite a bit of fruit you're going to be really full by the end um, and I find that when I do that with fruit, I still sleep fine. I feel great the next day. If I do it with ice cream or something like that, it's just it just never really feels worth it. Um, it all comes back to that, you know, momentary pleasure, um, and then you pay the price later on. Uh, whereas, as much as possible, you really want to do the opposite, where you know you take that upfront cost. Um, it feels like a negative, but you know that it's going to be a positive in the long run. Um, Another really cool piece of advice that I got from the interview and from the book Atomic Habits that I read probably six months ago or so, um, it's this concept of never miss twice. So, you know, I guess getting back to the food example or the exercise example, um, if you miss a workout one day, if you have kind of a bad day of eating, The idea is usually it's not the first time it gets you. Um, It's really your mindset. And the mindset tends to be, oh, well, I already cheated on my meal. I already missed the workout today. Um, I already screwed this up. What is the point? Um, I might as well go, you know, full bad. I might as well just really indulge in this and just mess it up. Um, So it's really a game of, you know, you are probably gonna mess up here and there. Um we're all human and the urge to do a lot of these things is so deeply grained within us. I mean to taking calories, to conserve energy, these are all biological urges that we really have to fight against to a very high degree. Um otherwise you're just gonna be a part of the mediocre masses, I guess you could call it. Um so the key is never miss twice. Um, so if you miss one workout, just shake it off next day, go ahead and get back to it. Um, just because you missed last time, your streak is over, whatever. Hey, day one, no big deal. Let's let's go. And then uh, same mindset with food. Hey, I missed yesterday. I missed the last meal. You know what? Get right back to it. And honestly, your damage is not going to be that high. It's usually once you get into that downward spiral. Um, and the thing that you want to avoid at all costs is that downward spiral, um, to change the subject again, another, uh, really cool thing that I saw was, uh, if you're trying to get a new habit, um, the, the hard thing can be, you know, say you're trying to get on a new diet or you're doing intermittent fasting, or you're doing some kind of change, really establish that first and give yourself home court advantage. So, you know, maybe don't try to do it all in one crazy, insane um, change. Give yourself the benefit of, hey, you know, if I'm over a friend's house and they're eating like a normal meal or they have some snacks or something there, maybe don't um, try to tackle that right away. Just give yourself that home court advantage where you can buy the food you want, have the setup you want, um, hide the foods that are bad or get rid of the foods that are bad. Um, and, and start with your home and start with where you live or even your office. Um, if you can start there, you can establish a pretty good foothold. Um, and once you have that foothold established, it makes it a lot easier to then build on that. You have some kind of momentum going. Um, a lot of the habit game is honestly momentum i've been experimenting with uh intermittent fasting more i've done a couple 24 hour fast nothing big i've tried to do at least 16 to 18 hour fasts um every day except the weekends for the past uh week or two just to get back into the habit um and i think i think a lot of it is just a mental game you know you have this idea in your head that um you won't have uh, enough energy, you won't be able to eat enough, uh, whatever. And it's so easy to get sucked right back into that. Um, but even just a couple days, even if you don't do it every single day or you skip the weekends or, or something like that, if you can start to get the momentum back, it makes you want to work out, makes you want to, uh, continue to push yourself and, uh, get better. Um, so yeah, number one thing though, identity uh, become do enough and get these habits ingrained enough that it becomes like you're a person that goes to the gym, you're a person that works out, you're a person that eats healthy. Um, you're a person that gets up early, you're a person that doesn't snack late at night. Um, what would a healthy person do? And then do that thing. And I do like that. Ed my saying is, uh, you know, keep the promises that you make to yourself because that's how you change your identity. That's how you make real progress. So, um, yeah, for me, I always want to eat healthy as often as I can, um, continue pushing forward in every area of my life uh, until you really believe um, based on empirical evidence that you can step back from and say, hey, look, I am this type of person. Uh, based on this evidence, I am a hard worker based on X, Y, and Z that I've done. Um, and you prove it to yourself until you get to the point where you believe it. Um, and it doesn't become a stretch anymore. I am a fit person. And you have all this evidence to back that up. Um, yeah, so that was something really cool. I also wanted to uh, talk about and just reinforce the value um, of continued continuing to voluntarily push yourself uh, every day of your life and how that prepares you for times when you don't have a choice, but you have to push yourself. I was watching um, the 9-11 documentary. It's on Hulu uh, with my wife last night. She kind of had it on while I was getting ready for work the next day and getting some stuff together. Um, But what really struck me, there was this guy who was one of the firefighters, And he said that he had been in the Marine Corps, I think, 15, 20 years ago. And so he was uh, going up to rescue civilians that were trapped um, way up high in the tower, like, you know, 80th floor or something. So he said he's just walking up these stairs. And it is, I mean, the firefighters, they're in good shape, but they wear a lot of gear. It's pretty terrifying. I'm sure I can't even imagine being uh, in the situation that he was in. Um, and I'm sure his body's starting to get pushed to limits because you want to go as fast as you can to try to rescue those people who are literally trapped in a burning building. Um, so what, what really struck me though, he said that he was in the Marine Corps 15, 20 years ago. I hadn't really thought about it at all, but all of a sudden he said he's walking up those stairs and then out of nowhere, into his head, pops that song that, th- that he had during boot camp. One, two, three, four. I love the Marine Corps. One, two, three, four. I love the Marine Corps. And he didn't say this, but what popped into my head, um, hearing him talk about that, was he had done boot camp 15 years ago. Probably the most physically demanding thing he's ever done in his life. Um, and then here he is, a firefighter, on 9-11, trudging up all these stairs. No one knew 9-11 was going to happen. Um, no one was preparing for this as an event that, you know, firefighters would have to go up there and say, people, no one was preparing for this as an event that their very lives would be in danger. People that they love's lives would be in danger. And I really believe that what happened was his brain and his body went back in time and said, when have we felt this type of stress before? When is the time that we have in our memory, muscle memory, um, pain memory, uh, memory in your brain that you have? Kind of that like lizard brain part of you that has flight or fight, um, and has your just base instinct, um, and you know that like lizard base level animal instinct. I really think it dug down deep into his past and found, Oh yeah, we were in boot camp in the Marine Corps 15 years ago. This is what I'm going to draw on. That was the time, uh, when this part of my brain, this part of my body was activated and he was able to draw on that. And he's one of the guys that, um, was able to save people's lives, uh, based on that training. I mean, obviously the firefighter training, but it sounds like that Marine Corps training is really what came back to him. What I want to bring this back to uh, is the fact that there will be involuntary discomfort. There will be trials in your life. And this is a great example September 11th, 2001. No one was preparing for this. Um, but there were people who were prepared, who, who had um, gone through training and were as prepared as you can be for something like that. And he was ready. And I think it's really awesome to think that on a daily basis, every day you have the option um, and you get to be in a position and put your body and your mind in a position of voluntary discomfort um, as a way of training for you don't know what. Some form of involuntary discomfort that is Coming in your life. Um, this guy had ended up training for the involuntary discomfort of going to save people's lives on a burning building on nine 11. And who knows what, um, my, or your involuntary discomfort will be, uh, coming up next. I had a kidney stone and that was an involuntary discomfort, obviously nowhere near, uh, September 11th or anything like that. But the the pain was really excruciating um, and I was glad that I was prepared in some way for that. And I can only imagine if there's a situation where I need to defend myself or my family. Um, if there's some kind of emergency, I want to be as prepared as I can. Um, and I think voluntary discomfort is probably the best way to do it. Mental, physical, emotional, um, any way that you can introduce uh, you stress like a positive you know, the opposite of distress is eustress. Distress is like a negative curb stomp your face into the ground. And eustress is that positive kind of stress that makes you stronger. Um, just look for ways every day that you can introduce eustress you into your life to keep giving your body and your mind uh, something to push against. I encourage you to keep doing that. Um, and who knows, you might find yourself uh, in your moment in that moment that you have that can change everything in your life all because you are ready. You've built the habits that you need on a daily basis. And when your moment and your time comes, other people are depending on you, families, depending on you, countries, depending on you, whoever it is. Um, I hope that you find that you're ready and you know, I hope that I find that I'm ready for that also. Um, Thanks so much for listening today. Um, that's all I've got so far. I'm going to continue to update this uh, once a week. If I can, I'm going to be in Hawaii next week, so I might be a little late with the next one. Um, but yeah, good good chatting with everybody. Um, if you like what you heard, please give a follow and subscribe to Discomfort Theory Podcast, and I'll catch you next time.